You never know when God just wants you to share this message of hope because people need to hear it. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. The reason I love him so much, the reason that you should love him so much, the reason we're so thankful for a guy like Peter in the scripture is because he's just like us. Because he had incredible moments of great faith turned around by incredible moments of face planning and falling down. Like the time when Jesus walked up to Caesarea Philippi. They walked up and there was just all this worship that was going on of false prophets and all of this stuff and and false gods. And and they walk up and Jesus is like, yeah, well, who do people say that I am? And the disciples are like, well, you know, some say that you're like Jeremiah or, you know, uh, Elijah, you know, one of the prophets, you know. And he says, yeah, but who do you say that I am? I can see the disciples, uh... Uh, And it was Peter that just stepped right up and said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And it's like, aha. Jesus says, very good, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father revealed it to you. I can see Peter like, yep. That's pretty good there, Peter. You did good. I think we've all been in times where we had the answer and no one else did. And it's like, yep, <laughs> had it. You know. And then just, you get that rush of like, yeah, I had it. But then just moments later, Jesus is talking about the fact that he's going to go to Jerusalem and that he is going to be handed over to the Gentiles, and he is going to be killed and crucified. I mean, this is five minutes later. Peter's like, yeah, Lord, that's not good. This is not a good PR move. That's not going to happen. And he starts to rebuke the Lord. And Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) So he goes in a five-minute span from flesh and blood didn't reveal this, but my father revealed it to you, to get behind me, Satan. You know, so so it's like it just goes to show that we can be really awesome one second spiritually and fall on our face spiritually the next second. So every one of us needs to kind of have empathy for Peter because, well, kind of just like us. Okay, you know, we can be really spiritual at one moment and not so spiritual the next moment. You know, here's the thing with Peter. He had great intentions. His heart was always right. He desired to do what was right, to be strong and unfailing. But many times he just fell flat. Yet God still used Peter. That's the miracle. Even he used him on the day of Pentecost. You think after he denied the Lord three times and that whole thing, you think, okay, you're at the end of the bench, buddy. Okay, don't ever think you're going to play anymore. You're at the end of the bench. But no, the first and most awesome message that really kicked off Christianity, who did he use? 
Peter, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, spoke a message of power and might on the day of Pentecost. And it says 3,000 people got saved that day from his preaching. Wow. Yes, Peter eventually lived up to the name that Jesus gave him as a rock. Why? Because when Jesus looked at Peter, when he looked right through him, he saw in Peter what nobody else could have ever saw in him. Not who Peter was at that moment, but who Peter would become in Jesus. You might look at yourself today and think, man, I'll never be any great Christian. I mean, I always crash and burn. I'm never going to be that person. Well, Maybe you haven't been up to this point. Maybe you haven't been that great witness in sharing Christ. And maybe you've been kind of the wallflower. And every time, you know, Jesus comes up or anything, quote, that would resemble you maybe stepping in and saying something for the Lord, you always weasel out and don't say anything and just, you know, whatever. And you might think, I'm never going to be that person. Well, maybe you haven't been up to this point. Not Yet, but that doesn't mean that that can't change. And that's what we see in Peter. When Jesus called him, he saw what no one else could see. But he knew one day, oh, Peter's going to come out of that shell and Peter's going to be the man. And that's how Jesus sees you and me today. Not for what we are this moment as some struggle spiritually with sin and other issues, but rather who we can all become one day filled with his Holy Spirit. For once, Peter, he finally died to himself. And then once he died to himself, once he truly lived for Jesus, his life radically changed, which caused those around him to guess what? Radically change. And it all started with his brother, Andrew, who came and introduced him to Jesus. And speaking of Andrew, he was always introducing someone to Jesus. Like when the multitudes following Jesus were hungry and weary, and the disciples didn't know what to do because Jesus asked them, like, we need to feed these people. And they're like, feed these people? There was like 15,000 people there. Like, how how are we going to feed them? We don't have enough to feed these people. It was Andrew that said, well, there's a little boy over here that's got, you know, a couple loaves and a couple fish here. Maybe we could do something with him. So Andrew goes and gets the little boy and brings him to Jesus. And all, what did Jesus do? He says, ah, let me take this little bit that you have, five barley loaves and two fish. Or the time when the Greeks came looking for Jesus in John chapter 12. It was Andrew who brought them to Jesus. Yes, when we read about Andrew in the Bible, he's always bringing someone to Jesus. Could you imagine if in the ages to come that you're known in heaven as one that was always bringing people to Jesus, that that's how you would be remembered for always bringing people to Jesus? 
You know, I was uh, in this model house. You know, model houses are, they're all decked to the limit and everything. And so I'm in there and I'm upstairs and I'm in the master bedroom. And, you know, there's no doors on models. You, know, you just kind of walk from one room into the other, you know. So I'm in the master bedroom and this other guy walks in. And uh, I turn around and go, hey, how's it going? He goes, eh, not too bad, you know. And I just looked at him and I said, you know, when's the last time someone told you there's a God in heaven that loves you? I'm <laughs> in the model and he's like, I don't know, like, like never. Then I said, man, you know what? Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for you. I'm not talking some funky, washed out religious thing. I'm talking about a living God that's going to come and stand before you and knock at the door of your heart and desire to come in. I said, you know, what would happen to you if you never knew this message? And so I just went all the way back to the beginning of the gospel and just shared everything. I talked to this guy for like 45 minutes in the model. So other people are coming through the model. Oh, excuse me. I just want to see the bathroom. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't slow down and he didn't stop listening. He was listening the whole time. And right there in the model with people coming in and out, I said, right here, right now, you could ask Jesus Christ in your heart as your savior. And he goes, well, I don't know if I want to do that right now, but man, tell me where your church is, man. Tell me where it's at. And I want to think about this. So I go, okay, that's cool. You know, and I gave him a card to our church, told him about a radio program, pulled up my phone, showed him the app on our phone and everything. He's like, man, I'm going to download this app. I'm going to watch a message. Who knows? His name's Benji. Pray for him. He could be watching right now. Could happen. You never know. But anyway, it's like you never know when God just, you know, like wants you to share this message of hope. Because people need to hear it. And you would have thought, because I asked this guy, I go, what do you do for a living? He goes, I'm a musician and everything. And I go, oh, cool. you know. And I'm just like, you know, no matter what you do in life, nothing's going to satisfy outside of having a relationship with God. And it was just, it was just so cool because, you know, this guy probably, you know, he already realized that nothing satisfies, you know. Which this brings up our point here, those who believe. And let's read what it says here. John one forty three. the next day he purposed to go forth into Galilee and he found Philip. And Jesus said to Philip, follow me. Now, he said there that Jesus purposed to go into Galilee. He purposed that. Think about that. So he found this guy named Philip because he purposed to go into Galilee. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now, again, that word purposed in a New American Standard captures exactly what the original text said. The King James Bible says, go forth there, but the New American Standard says that he purposed. So the Greek meaning he purposed means that he was determined and he desired and he intended to go. That's what his plan was. Now, why did Jesus purpose and plan to go into Galilee? Because this guy named Philip was there, and God did the same for all of us. He determined to reach out to us. He desired to know us. He intended to save us and give us hope the hope of heaven. And I'm so glad that Jesus came and he found me. I was such 
a disaster. My parents getting divorced when I was 16, being on my own. At first, it was great, man. Like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Man, I, I have no one telling me what time to come home. I can do whatever I want. I can go get completely wasted and not have to worry about coming home and my mom being there and trying to, okay, maintain, maintain. You know, it's like, no, it was great at first. But then all of a sudden you realize, yeah, nobody's worried about you coming home because nobody cares. Nobody cares what time you come home because nobody cares. No, no one cares where you're at or what you're doing because nobody cares. And then after a while, you just realize no one cares about you. And then you stop caring for yourself. And then all of a sudden, you're just doing this. And, you know, I do everything in excess. I mean, it's like whatever it is, you know, if we're going to play basketball, I'm going to play 10 games. Okay, maybe I should only play three. But it's like I'm just go, go, go. So when it came down to, you know, being a party animal, I went full hog. That's why I think I just completely burned out on it from 16 to 18 years old. Because, you know, you're just a waste product and you're just, you know, high and, and half drunk all the time. It's just like, wow, what is going on here? And me taking speed, that was a scary thought. Just think, imagine that. Use your imagination, me on speed. But anyway, all of a sudden, when, when that person shared Christ with me, it was like, oh my goodness, God purposed to meet me. Not in a church, but at a kitchen counter in Upland, California. I'm just sitting at this counter. This person starts sharing Christ with me. It's like, are you serious? I don't want to hear about this. What a waste of time. But then I sat there, and all of a sudden, before I knew it, I was listening. And then before I knew it, after that, I was praying and asking Jesus to come in my heart. It's just, it was crazy. But God purposed to meet me there. And I'm so glad that he did. You know, I had no purpose in my life. I was aimlessly wandering through life. I wonder if you know someone that's like that, just like I was, aimlessly walking through this life. Notice when he called Philip, he simply said to Philip, follow me. He didn't force Philip to follow, yet Philip came and he saw. I'm sure he was overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus. Just, it was from the love that he saw in Jesus' eyes that pierced straight through to his heart. Maybe it was the incredible wisdom that was rolling off of Jesus' lips. Maybe it was just the touch of the master. Well, just as we saw in the life of Andrew, Philip also had an overwhelming passion to tell others about Jesus, which now brings up our third point, those who believe. Let's read what it says here, picking up in verse 45 of John chapter 1. It says, Philip, now he left Jesus after hanging out with him, and he found his buddy Nathaniel, and he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's mocking here now. Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile, meaning, you know, you're an honest-seeking Israelite. Well, Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Like, how do you know my name? Why are you saying, you said you know me. How do you know me? 
And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, you, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens opened and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Wow, how cool. I wonder what Nathaniel was thinking when he saw his close friend Philip shaking with excitement. We have found the Messiah. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Well, the first thing Nathaniel does is he mocks his friend. He said, yeah, right. You know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You have to understand, Nazareth was not like we see on some Christmas cards. It was then and still today a small, insignificant, scrapper little village. Yet this mocking doesn't even affect his friend Philip at all. As he looks intently into the eyes of Nathaniel, his friend, and he says in verse 46, well, (laughs) come and see. I wonder how many of us get tongue-tied when our friends mock us for starting to share or talk about anything with Jesus. I wonder if we get tongue-tied. We simply, you know, become silent. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I say anything. Hey, I'd like to tell you about Jesus. I don't want to hear about that. You're an idiot. I'm sorry. Let me go away. Let me go hide under a rock again. But what appears to be their disinterest in Jesus, sometimes, you know, it's just a smokescreen because they don't want to talk about their own insecurities. They say, I don't believe in God. Or they might say, I'm an atheist. Maybe they've told you, I make it a point to never talk about politics or religion. Or they say, I already go to church or some other, again, smoke screen, uh, smoke screen to change the subject. Look, that didn't stop or affect Philip. And it shouldn't stop us. Understand, unfortunately, there have been many bad examples of people who claim to know God. So we have to give people a little bit of credit here. Have you ever watched, you know, religious programming on TV? <laughs> I mean, everyone flips channels all the time. Or am I the only one that does this? Anyone just flip channels? You know, you're just bored and you're just flip, 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 flip. And then you get on some of these higher numbered stations and, you know, you see these people that are, you know, Christians and, you know, religions and church people and they're just weird. I mean, it's just like weird at a whole nother level. Know this. If something looks weird, it's probably because it's weird. It's just not rocket science. I mean, you look at something like, okay, that's weird. Okay, I don't know anything about this ministry, but it's weird. Look at it. It's just weird. So we have to cut people a little bit of slack if they're a little apprehensive when it comes to talking about Jesus, because who knows what they've seen in the background of their life. Yet God has chosen us. See, that doesn't change the fact that God has chosen us to share with others. 
And there are things that we can do in talking about Jesus that can help smooth things over for sharing with people. Like number one, don't act weird yourself. Okay, I mean, when you start talking about Jesus to someone, don't act weird. Like, you know, if you're at work, don't jump up on the desk and say, okay, I want to preach a message to you right now. Ah, no, that's not good. You know, at the grocery store, you don't jump up on the bananas and like, all right, it's time to preach a message. It's like, I remember I was walking in Georgetown back in Washington, D.C., and, and this guy is screaming and screaming, preaching the gospel. He's just on a corner. He's like, rah, rah, you're all going to die. You're all going to burn in hell. I mean, you know, so I remember I just, I walked up to him. Excuse me. And he's like, what? I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like. I'm preaching the gospel. And I'm like, all right, okay. Have you ever thought about just like sharing with people instead of yelling at them? And he's like, what are you doing? What are you saying? I'm like, well, you're you're screaming at people and you're telling them they're all going to get roasted in hell. I said, have you ever thought about maybe just walking up and sharing with someone about Jesus instead of screaming at them? Just see a, a different approach maybe and maybe it won't be so radical because people are just mocking you and laughing. Well, they're mocking me because I'm a child of God. No, I go, no, they're mocking you because you're weird. Okay. And so don't act weird. You know, use a little tact with people, especially if it's people that you see on a daily basis, like people that you work with, you want to start dropping little hints to them. And, you know, little things like, hey, you know what? Hey, I'd like you to, to really think about and consider coming to church with me one day. You know, it's like, oh, I would never do that. Well, why not? You know, let them talk a little bit. People like talking about themselves. Well, because, you know, when I was growing up, we went to this church, and the guy just, you know, screamed and yelled at us, and, and it just it put such a, a damper on things. It's like, oh, man, you know, and that's where you say something like, hey, I'm really sorry that that's the experience that you had. And, you know, that's really a bummer, man. I'm just really sorry. But I just want you to know that, you know, God's not like that. You know, there's never a time in the Bible where Jesus walks up and starts screaming at people and demoralizing them. You know, he doesn't do that. You know, but there is a truth in God's word, and he does want us to know it. But I would really like you to come. You know, there's a a statistic that's out there that's over 50% of the people that you actually personally know that you have somewhat of a relationship with, that 50% of those people would actually come to church if you invited them. So I'm not talking about a stranger or whatever, but, you know, people that you know that you've actually built relationship with. You know, you just say, hey, look, man, you know, I'd like you to come to church with me. You know, me and my wife, when we first started going to Harvest Christian Fellowship out in Riverside, this is in 1979. That's right, before many of you were born. But anyway, every week we would bring someone to harvest every week we would just be inviting people all the time and and it's like you know you don't just like okay i'm going to invite someone and that's the one person i i've been inviting them for six years okay well they're probably not going to come if you've been inviting them for six years but what i was doing was inviting about 20 people a week and every week someone would say yes So I'm inviting this person, I'm inviting that person, and someone finally just said yes. And so every week, we're bringing someone out there with us. It's just what we did. Yes, tact is always good. Number two, don't yell at people. 
He starts shaking when you're talking about Jesus. He's like, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Uh, okay. Well, you know, Jesus. You know, and so you, you have to change your voice. You know, well, he said the Bible says. Okay, you're not Billy Graham, okay? It's like, so just, you know, just talk normal. Be normal. Number three, be natural. Live upright. Be honest and sincere at your work. You know, help people out. You know, care about people. Let people see that you're different than everyone else. Don't laugh at dirty jokes that you're not supposed to be laughing at. Don't act like everyone else acts. Because when people see us act like we're better than them or, you know, we're holier than thou, uh, and we talk and we don't listen to their questions, I can tell you, you're going to have a hard time sharing your faith. You know, let people air out their grievances. You know, let people say the things that you don't want to hear. It's like, hey, well, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, and well, that question, I, I don't know how to answer that question. I'm not sure, but I do want you to come and see because look, even though I can't answer that hard question that you're asking me, I know this, man, that, that God is real. And that he can come inside and he can give a real peace in our soul that we can't get in this world. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 